have been studying the book of Revelation, and I certainly thank God because he is revealing unto us who he is and the apocalyptic plan for the end of the world and the end of mankind as we know. Amen. I'm so glad we're in Revelation uh, the 14th chapter and where the proclamations are now being given. These are the things that are getting ready to happen. God will always let you know what he's getting ready to do. And, and we'll read one of the scriptures tonight. There's no excuse. There is no excuse. Amen. His word have gone out. Amen. It will accomplish what he has set it out to do. It will not return unto him void. Amen. So man will be without excuse when God come and snatch his church. Amen. Uh, behold, the bridegroom cometh. Amen. He will ascend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the God of God and the trump, trump of God and the voice of archangel, voice of the archangel and the dead in Christ. They're going to do what? They're going to rise first. We that are alive and remain shall be what? Caught up to meet him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So we have a great hope. Amen. That goes, Paul said, we don't sorrow as other men do because we have a hope that goes beyond the grave. Amen. So we want to continue where we have left off. We in Revelation uh, 14, uh, we're going to go and uh, we have uh, gone through Revelation uh, chronologically as much as possible as I could understand. I know we were following the trumps and we were following uh, the vows, the bowls that have been uh, carried out, the wrath of God being carried out. And then he mentions great Babylon. We came back to uh, the 13th chapter of Revelation, amen, talking about the uh, beast kingdom uh, that's in our midst, that's alive and well today, amen, and certainly, and we have moved on to uh, Revelation, the 14th chapter, we'll uh, John is now making a comparison. He's making a comparison uh, of those that had the mark of the beast and those that had the mark of God. Amen. Certainly. And there was a great contrast. There was a great difference. Amen. I'd rather be on the Lord's side. Amen. I'd rather serve him. Amen. And uh, receive his reward than to receive the reward of the wicked. All right, so we're going to recap just a, bit, a little bit. Babylon has fallen. Uh, we started out with the first uh, five verses of verse 14. I'll read those. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion. That's where we're from, Mount Zion. And with him, 144,000 having the Father's name written upon their foreheads. And I heard the voice from heaven as a voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder, and I heard the voice of the harpers harping with their harps, and they sang as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts, and we certainly know that is a portion of the church, that is the church, and the elders, those are the elders of the Old Testament, Old Testament church, and no man could learn the song but the 144,000. We always say I, we have a song that the angels can't sing because we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Well, 
they're going to have a song that we can't sing because we're not going to come through that tribulation period. And God is going to save them out of that first three and a half year period of a seven year tribulation period. And I'm glad we don't have to see that, but they're going to have a song we won't know nothing about. They'll have a testimony we can't even identify with. Uh, you know, but now we know that God is good. Amen. But they will have experienced something that we won't know. So they'll have a song that we won't be able to get with. We won't be able to tune up to it. Amen. Uh, which were redeemed, the ones that were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which followed the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. Verse uh, uh, chapter 13, they was following the false lamb. Come on, somebody, the one that looked like a lamb but spake like a dragon, but these, the 144, amen, they are following the true lamb, and they're following him wherever he goeth. These were redeemed uh, from among men, being the first fruits unto God, unto the lamb, and in their mouth was found no guile, for they were without fault before the throne of God. Amen. So we see those individuals that were sealed with the 666, uh, the beast system, in um, uh, chapter 13, and those uh, that are sealed by God, amen, in um, um, chapter 14. Now, these are the same 144 we saw, 12,000 from each of the uh, tribes uh, and uh, there's the same ones here that God is keeping, preserving them during the tribulation period. All right, we found, uh, you all remember, the Bible sent us on a search. Uh, Revelation, the last uh, scripture of chapter 13, verse 18, the Bible sent us on a search. It says, here is wisdom. All right, let him that have understanding count the number of the beasts, for it is the number of a man. And his number is 603 score and six. And we went on that search, amen, and we found out we can associate it with King Solomon's kingdom, amen. Uh, we certainly uh, found it in the scriptures, which I believe is a pattern, amen, of the kingdom of the Antichrist, amen. Uh, Solomon was the perfect leader, having the perfect economy, uh, he rebuilt the temple. Uh, he was top in his class when it come down to trading. Economically, he was the best. Educationally, he was the best. The tenants and his ministers were second to none. Uh, so much so that the queen of Sheba said, I've heard of the wisdom of Solomon. I've come to see and I saw everything and I'm totally satisfied. I'm totally convinced. And as a matter of fact, uh, she asked Solomon some tough questions and he began to answer her and give her uh, even more wisdom and knowledge than, uh, and answers that she had even asked. And she said, I've heard, I've seen the tenets of your ministers. I've seen the, the pomp and, and splendor of your kingdom. And she said, the half has not been told. My God. And certainly we are uh, read in the scripture says that she was so much satisfied that there was no more spirit left in her and she went away. Amen. Now, uh, there's significance to that. 
and you need to go back and read it, um, not read it, but uh, play it again on Facebook if you missed it, or go back on YouTube, they're there as well. We're not going to rehash all of that, but this was the pattern. This was the pattern of the Antichrist beast system uh, that's being formed right now, this one world government, this secret society, this uh, hidden state, amen, all of these things that people talk about and they blame it on one group or the other, uh, but this is the Antichrist, the beast system uh, that's in existence right now. It's being set up right now. So, But after she departs, 666 is revealed and what um, she thought was to be the greatest kingdom on the face of the earth turned out to be totally corrupt. Amen. Solomon was following after those women that God told him not to cleave to. Amen. Those strange women, because they were going to take his heart from God. And certainly they did. Amen. And they went into false and idol worship. Amen. And the people, that um, kingdom that appeared to be uh, the best there was on the earth was totally corrupt. Uh, the people were uh, led into idol uh, worship. Amen. And certainly uh, we know that uh, Solomon repented. He said here the conclusion of the whole matter. Amen. Certainly we know he repented of his thing, but remember Solomon is the example. The Antichrist is the reality. That kingdom is alive and well right now. Amen. Now remember, uh, Solomon was the perfect king. He was the perfect uh, leader. Uh, the Antichrist, when we see him coming in in Revelation 6, it says, and I saw uh, and looked, and then behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him had a bow and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Who is he? He's the Antichrist. He's that man of peace that have the answers. My God, uh, when you look back in Revelation 6, that bow talks about authority. God is going to give them everything they wanted. Come on, somebody. They're going to think that this is the perfect kingdom. Uh, the Antichrist is the perfect king. Come on, somebody. He's the perfect leader. He organizes. He, bring his, he brings unity uh, to the nations, uh, to the ten kingdoms. But it's going to turn out to be utterly corrupt because we know, amen, when you see the abomination of desolation talked about by the prophet Daniel, Amen. That's when the destruction is going to start. He's going to rebuild that temple. Amen. Somebody, he's going to give the Jews everything they wanted. Uh, but remember, when they say peace and safety, it's going to be sudden destruction. He's not building that temple for the glory of God. And this is what takes us back to um, uh, Genesis, because there was another temple. Nimrod was building a kingdom, not to the glory of God, but to the glory of himself. All right, so when he builds that temple, he's going to sit on the throne and require the people to worship him. Amen. And when they realize that this is not our Messiah, that's when the abomination of desolations will begin and it will be totally torn apart. All right. So that man of peace, he's going to have all the answers. <clears throat> he's going to set up the perfect kingdom. Guess what he's doing? He's doing it without 
God. Amen. We tied Solomon to the 666, uh, even uh, in the economy of his economy was, uh, we read the scriptures where his total economy, total income, uh, his budgetary, um, his paperwork, uh, if you will, his books, uh, his total income was 666, uh, by which he, his whole economy, he bought and sold and traded. And that's the same number uh, that the beast used, 666, to mark the people and to control all the buying and selling. You can't buy or sell unless you had the mark of the beast. So we tied that to Solomon. We tied it to him um, with um, <clears throat> uh, the Nebuchadnezzar, the statue that was set up, amen, the 666 statue, amen. We tied it to him with Solomon, his um, um, throne. Uh, you all remember, uh, it was six lions on one side, six steps up to uh, Solomon's seat, and six lions on the other side. You had, so when you came into the presence of Solomon, it was six, six, six. All right. And uh, so we believe and know that Solomon's kingdom is a pattern. It's a pattern of the kingdom of the Antichrist. Um, and that's what the scripture says. Here is wisdom. When you read Revelation 13 and 18, and it says, here is wisdom. That should have been a clue right there. Who wrote the books of wisdom of the world? Who was the most uh, wisest man in the world? Come on, somebody. Now, we're not talking about Jesus Christ. Uh, beside Jesus Christ, he was the wisest man there was. So the Bible said, here is wisdom. Let him that have understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 600. Uh, three score and six, 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 six. All right. We saw the comparison of those that had the mark of the beast and those that had the mark of God. Now, remember, both had a mark. Amen. But the beast numbered them, marked them with a number. God marks us with his name. My God, that's what you do for a slave. You put a number on them and you assign a value to them. Amen. God doesn't do us that way. We're not a number to him. Amen. He places his name on us. He put a ring on it. Come on, somebody. This is a commitment. Amen. Uh, he belongs to us and we belong to him. Amen. He said, I'll put my father's name. I'll put my name, the name of Jerusalem on you. Come on, somebody. My God. And he can't put a value on us because we are priceless. We are the apple of his eye. He said, all souls belong unto me. One group is following the false lamb with the two horns. Come on, somebody. You go back to Revelation. He said, he looks like a lamb, but sounds like a dragon. And then in 14, we find the ones that are following the 144 that are following the true lamb. He's always the lamb. Amen. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Amen. He was the one that brought all the seven churches together. One with two horns and one with seven horns. Seven that God's perfect number. Amen. He is the lamb. Amen. And they followed the lamb wheresoever he went. Amen. All right. So 14, 
Revelation 14, verses 6 and 7, their proclamations are now being announced of things that's going to happen, transpire. I know we said we were going to Revelation 17, and we are, but we need to finish up verse uh, chapter 14 before we get there. And we'll do it expeditiously and get to 17 because that will be the destruction, the destruction of Babylon, the false church, the false prophet. All right. He said, and I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. Come on, somebody. This angel gave the proclamation of the everlasting gospel. My God, the last word uh, that was going out, letting them know that God's judgments are coming and letting the people know to decide where you, who, who you're going to serve. Come on, somebody. My God, who are you going to give your life to? Amen. God will always let us know. These are proclamations now. These we're reading in, in chapter 14. Uh, they have not yet come to pass, but he's always letting people know what he's about to do. Amen. So during this seven-year tribulation period, uh, the Bible says, just like they said in Luke 17 and 27, uh, they did eat and drink and they were married. They married wives and they were given in marriage until that day. Uh, that Noah entered into the ark. The same thing is going on. Uh, they're uh, marrying and giving in marriage. Children are being born. Amen. So um, somebody uh, is not going to hear no uh, the gospel, but that's what the angel is letting them know. This is the everlasting gospel. This is the last call. Amen. Somebody needs to be saved. Amen. Somebody needs to get their life right. Somebody needs to prepare themselves because God is coming. His wrath is being poured out. And one thing that he says in this particular passage of scripture, uh, he talks about repenting, acknowledging God as the creator of all things. Repentance is always key. It's the first thing in coming to um, a relationship. Amen. The acknowledging of God. Amen. He is the creator of all things. Look what he says. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven. I'm at Revelation 14. I'm going to read six through seven again. Having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them what that dwell on the earth. These are during that tribulation period and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory unto him. For the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made the heaven and the earth and the sea and the fountains. In other words, he is the creator of all things. Amen. And the first thing in having a relationship with God is acknowledging that he is God. There was so much false idols worshiping going on. Come on, somebody. We talked about the Antichrist will totally control the media. Uh, this is a one world government, one religion. There's going to be so much false 
but they followed the lamb wherever he went. Come on, somebody. They didn't get caught up in the media uh, that we see to and experience today. Come on, somebody. Uh, they didn't get sidetracked with issues. They followed the lamb, acknowledging that he is the creator of all things. And uh, when I say repentance is always key, we always get that um, in the Bible. It says, repent and be baptized. Amen. Repentance is always the first thing. Acknowledging God, he is the creator of all things. I'm not worthy. I abhor myself in sackcloth and ashes. Come on, somebody. When you come into the presence of God, acknowledging who he is. So it's always key in coming to God. All right. Uh, do you think that they repented after hearing this proclamation? No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Look at verse, and we've actually read this already, but let's go to Revelation 16. Now, remember, this is a proclamation when we're in uh, chapter 14 here. So these things have not happened yet. All right. But he's letting them know the judgments of God are coming. This is the everlasting gospel. Amen. And when we look here in Revelation 16, 10 through 11, uh, and ask the question, did they repent? Did they listen to that everlasting gospel? No. No. <laughs> As a matter of fact, this beast kingdom is the attitude that you see of people right now. I have a right to die. I'm not going to wear no mask. I'm not going to social distance. I'm not listening to the experts. They've politicized even public health. Person that, you know, won't wear a mask. I, you know, as bad as the cases get and as many people die, they're just saying, well, I just got a right to die. Come on, somebody. My God, that rebellious spirit, it's, it's in play right now. Look at Revelation 16, 10 and 11. And the fifth angel poured out the vial upon the seat of the beast. Now, we've read this, and then we came back. <clears throat> We've been here. This is the pouring out of the vials. All right. The bowls of the wrath of God. He poured it out upon the seat of the beast and his kingdom was full of darkness and they gnawed their tongues for pain. Can you imagine chewing, gnawing at your tongue because you're in so much? I don't even, I, I don't even, ooh, I don't even want to experience that because you would think chewing on your tongue that causes pain. But how can you chew on your tongue because you're in pain? That's, that's going to be a, a horrible, horrible day and time in which to live. All right. So he poured out the vial upon the seat of the beast and his kingdom was full of darkness. They gnawed their tongues for pain. And what did they do? They blasphemed God. My God. Uh, listen, saints, if you're expecting things to get better in this world, no, they're not going to get better. They're going to get progressively uh, worse. The rebellious spirit is going to get worse. All right. You would think that they would repent. No, 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 they didn't repent. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pain. They knew he was the one that was causing their pain. 
and their sores and repented not of their deeds. So even though he's proclaiming that this day is coming, they are not going to repent. And that certainly lies true with the attitude of people uh, that we see today. All right. So what did uh, Revelation 14 and 7, everybody should have your Bible, Revelation 14 and 7. We're just going to read that again. He said, and worship him that made the heaven and the earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Worship the creator of all things. He created you. Come on, somebody. My God. How can something that's been created will not acknowledge its creator? Repent. He's the creator of all things. And that's the first thing in having a relationship with God is repenting and knowing that you need him, that he is God. Come on, somebody. Come by here, Lord. Come by here. Somebody needs you. Not my brother, not my sister. Maybe they do need him, but listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with me right now. It's me standing in the need of repentance, the help of God. Look what um, um, Romans said, Paul said in Romans, the first chapter, they were not just wicked, but they denied the truth. It's one thing to know the truth and deny it. Now, some people are uh, ignorant of the truth. They don't know the truth. But these have come into the acknowledging of the truth, uh, and they still refuse to repent, turn to God. Look at Romans, the first chapter, verses 18 through 21. Paul lets us know the source of this rebellion, amen, this spirit. He said, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in, in unrighteousness. They know the truth, but they still, uh, they will not uh, yield themselves. They won't acknowledge the truth. Come on, somebody. What does he say? They hold the truth in unrighteousness. They know the truth, but yet they still prefer and continue to live unrighteous, all right? Because that which may be known of God is manifest unto him. Everything that they could know about him was made manifest. They could, it was made possible. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Come on, somebody. My God, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. Ain't nobody in the Godhead but Jesus. Amen. When you see the birds fly, when you see the sun set, when you see the moon and the earth on his, uh, uh, um, rotating on his axis, come on somebody, all the things were created by God. Amen. To acknowledge creation is to acknowledge that there is a God. All of these things were made manifest. They were made clear unto them. So they were without excuse. Look at that. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. See, it's one thing to know God and not glorify him as God. And uh, uh, let him be Lord of your life. Come on, somebody. My God. 
Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imagination and their foolish heart was darkened. But God was made plain unto them. They had no excuse. Come on, somebody. To acknowledge creation is to acknowledge that God exists. Because if we go back to Revelation 14 and 7, the God that they created the heaven and the earth, uh, uh, the, the fountains of water, he created everything. Come on, somebody. To acknowledge creation is to acknowledge that God exists. Yet they would not hold God in his proper place and perspective. Come on, somebody. So rejecting God, of the God of creation will be to reject everything that is holy or everything that exists. Come on, somebody. My God. And to acknowledge him is to acknowledge that he is the creator of all things. Come on, somebody. And without him, there was nothing made. Amen. They had no excuse. Uh, I remember the songwriter, the song we used to sing in the choir, uh, Nobody But Jesus. Come on, somebody. Who was the one that hung the stars in place? My God, who was the one uh, that put the earth out there and, and hung it upon nothing? Nobody but Jesus. My God, that was one of our popular choir songs. Nobody but him. Amen. Uh, to not believe that God exists is to say everything was created by nothing. Come on, somebody. To uh, refuse the fact that God exists. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. And you know how they, they um, pretty it all up, the Big Bang Theory. Uh, you know, we were just, there was some big explosion and, and somehow we start coming here from monkeys and, and apes and all of that. Come on, somebody. But to deny God is to believe that everything was created from nothing. And that makes no scientific uh, sense at all. Amen? Uh, because the first scientific law of nature is that you can't create anything out of nothing. So you have people that believe everything was created by nothing. And they got nerve to mock you because we believe God created everything. And they got nerve to talk about us and they believe everything was created by nothing. Now you let me know who's the crazy one. My God. So everything... Uh, that has been created by a scientific definition, definition has been created by something, amen? And that is the definition of God because he is the source of everything, amen? Let me say that one more time. Everything that has been created by scientific definition, all right, has been created by something, and that is the definition of what God is because he is the source of everything. You can't create energy without having something. Remember somebody? Everything. That's a scientific rule. Everything that's created was created by something. 
And we know God is the source of everything. Amen. So to believe in creation is to believe that God exists. And certainly uh, we're not subscribers to the Big Bang Theory. Amen. And this is what the angel was proclaiming. Amen. The God that made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the fountains of water. Amen. God is proclaiming his everlasting gospel. Amen. It was proclaimed then, but we, the church, we're proclaiming it right now. Amen. <laughs> Somebody said Jesus is the best thing. He's everything. He's my wheel in the middle of the wheel, my rock, my high tower, my fence of protection. You know, somebody, bread when I'm hungry, water when I'm thirsty, peace and joy. My God, he's everything. He is the source of everything. That's what they say. Proclaim his as, him as God. He is the creator of all things. All right, Revelation 14 and 18, the second angel proclaims. Babylon is going to fall. Now we've read it in um, uh, Revelation 18, but he's proclaiming it right here. Look what he says. And there followed, I'm in verse 8 now, Revelation 14, 18. And there followed another angel saying, what? Babylon is fallen, is fallen. The great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now she's being referred to uh, as a female, the church. Come on, somebody. The false prophet, the false church. Amen. Uh, this Babylon, this revived Roman Empire is going to fall. All right. God is not going to change his mind. Anytime you see fallen, fallen, it is repeated uh, twice for emphasis to let you know God has made up his mind and he's not going to change. My word have gone out of my mouth, and it will not return unto me void. Uh, God used repetition in the Bible, even in dreams. Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream in Genesis 41 and 32. Told Pharaoh, because you dreamed the dream twice, that means it's true. God has made up his mind, and it will come to pass. We see that in the uh, scripture where God repeats himself when he says, Samuel, Samuel, Abraham, Abraham, verily, verily, listen up. Come on, somebody. What is he saying? Babylon is doomed. It's coming to an end. That perfect kingdom, that perfect society, it is doomed. Amen. Uh, what is Babylon? We saw it in the beginning. Now, remember, I've, I've said this. Um, what we are seeing in Revelation, God is bringing to a conclusion of things that happened way back in Genesis. Amen. So what is he doing? He's dealing with the rebellion of Satan. He's dealing with the uh, rebellion of, uh, of Nimrod. Amen. Uh, that's Nimrod. I will rebel that fallen kingdom. He's dealing with the rebellion of the fallen angels. And he's bringing all that to the conclusion in Revelation. Now he dealt with sin. He went to the cross and shed his blood that you and I might have a right to the tree of life. He dealt with sin, but he's bringing to a conclusion, bringing to a close all the things that happened way back 
in Genesis. We can trace it. Remember, we went back there to the false church with uh, Nimrod, the false uh, doctrine, the doctrine of fornication. You all remember all that. Uh, we're not going to repeat it. You can go back and, and play those um, tapes again. So this was back in 500 BC. It crept up in the uh, beginning. It crept up into in the middle uh, because the children of God had to go into what? Babylonian captivity. Amen. You all remember that. 70 years had to be accomplished. All right. And then it creeps up again here in the end. All right. And this is the first time in Revelation 14 that Babylon is mentioned. And how many times is Babylon mentioned in Revelation? Six times. Seven is God's perfect number. Six is falling short. Falling short. Sixth day of creation, that's the day that we're living in right now. That's the day he has created man. And guess what? We have fallen short. That's what six mean. Amen. So Babylon is the beast kingdom. All right. Um, I asked that question, what is Babylon? It's man's attempt, attempt to create the perfect um, union, the perfect country, the perfect society without God. And anything you try to create without God, you already know. You already know it is doomed. So Babylon is man's attempt at a perfect society. You all remember Nimrod. They were all of the same language and of the same speech. And they were going to build a tower. And they were going to do it what? Without God. We're building this tower. This is our tower. We're making a name for ourselves. We don't need God. Uh, that's what the Antichrist is going to do. He's going to build a perfect society. Now, God is going to let them do this. He's going to let them do it. They're going to build it. You know, he's that man of peace. He's got the answer. He's going to build the temple. He's going to get the land. He's going to give uh, uh, the Jews everything they want. That's Babylon. Amen. Man's attempt to build, to exist without God. That's why you have to acknowledge him as the creator of all things. He created the heavens and the earth. Amen. The, the, the fountains of waters. He's the God of creation. To know creation exists is to acknowledge God. And anytime you don't acknowledge God, it's doomed. Amen. Look at Revelation 18. 1 and 2, Revelation 18. Everybody should have your Bible. I'm trying not to run out of time tonight. <clears throat> Revelation 18, verses 1 and 2. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lighted with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, What? Babylon the great is fallen. Now we had Babylon, the Roman Empire. Now, if we go back, Daniel, he talked about those four uh, beast kingdoms, started out with uh, Babylon, and then we went to 
Uh, it was taken over by the Greece, and I think then Alexander the Great uh, came, and then the Roman Empire came, but Babylon was never destroyed. It was never destroyed. As a matter of fact, Alexander the Great, uh, he was the one that uh, used uh, many of the infrastructure of Babylon and, and uh, began to build it up, but he died early. So Babylon never was destroyed. It, it just um, ceased to be Babylon or known as Babylon. But parts of it is still intact and exists today. All right. Matter of fact, we're living in a Babylon system right now. I'll explain that more as we go along. All right. So that Babylon, uh, the Roman Empire, great Babylon, the revived Roman Empire is doomed. It's coming to an end. Amen. Uh, remember, he's, he, this is proclamation. He's letting us know what's going to happen. It has not happened yet, and we have already saw and read the, uh, the, the trumps, uh, the, the plagues, the trumps, the vials, the bowls of God, the, the three woes, all of God's judgment that's going to come, amen, and Babylon will fall. But this is the proclamation right now. He's letting us know. All right, Babylon uh, is going to fall, amen, and God is letting us know what he thinks about man's attempt to create a perfect society without God. It'll never work. It'll never work. Now, you all remember when Nimrod uh, did it, he came down from heaven and said, the people, are, uh, the people is one. Nothing is going to be restrained from him. So what did he do? He confounded their speech. But when the Antichrist, he's given power to conquering and to conquer. God is going to give him authority to create this perfect world. <laughs> they think it's going to be a perfect world, but it's utterly corrupt. We already read it uh, back in verse 13. They're going to worship the beast. They think they're worshiping God and they're actually worshiping Satan, the devil. He's going to give them the authority to accomplish this. But when you see the abomination of desolation written by the prophet Daniel, that's when it's all coming down. It is doomed. You cannot create a more perfect union. You cannot create a perfect society and deny God. That is not going to happen. Amen. We remember what he, uh, he did with Nimrod. Uh, we remember what he did with Nebuchadnezzar and Babylonian uh, and his sons. Amen. We remember the pattern that was given uh, concerning Babylon with um, King Solomon's kingdom. Amen. And certainly we know this revised Roman Empire led by the Antichrist will be the Babylon that they're working on that comes into existence and is in existence right now. Amen. The one that's going to come in, given power, a bowl, and a crown. He's been given authority to conquering and to conquer. Amen. He's going to set up uh, this kingdom. But it is, God is letting us know way back in chapter 14, <laughs> that in 18, it ain't going to work. It's not going to stand. Any system that is void of God, come on somebody, Accept the Lord, uh, build the house, 
Come on, somebody. The workman, he, he's just working in vain, except he keep the city. The watchman, he wake, he waketh in vain. It's not going to work. Amen. So we are surrounded by Babylon right now. All right. Um, uh, man's, what is that? Man's attempt to save himself. We seeing this system is in existence right now. We're living in it. Amen. Um, what are we talking about? Uh, man's ability to educate himself. Uh, man's ability to uh, exist, take care of himself without God. Amen. Um, man's uh, attempt to create utopia right here on earth is not going to happen. Come on, somebody. Uh, man's attempt to, uh, do you know that there are people that have um, chronic uh, illnesses, diseases uh, that are having themselves frozen? So when technology uh, comes around, uh, they will be unfrozen and uh, operated on and, and uh, you know, cloning. Come on, somebody. All of these, this is Babylon. Man's attempt to be self-sufficient uh, to... Um, create the more perfect union, a society without God is not going to work. We've seen it destroyed uh, back in Nimrod's day. Uh, we see it, uh, it's being destroyed even in the day and the time in which we live right now. Uh, they have to, we have to all repent and acknowledge God as the creator, the source of all things. Come on, somebody. My God, anytime you have Babylon, you take God out, somebody is going to lead. Come on, somebody. And that person inevitably, inevitably becomes the Antichrist. Amen. Anytime you take God out of something, somebody's going to lead. And when you don't, they knew him as God, but didn't worship him as God. They became vain in their own hearts and in their own imaginations. Come on, somebody. My God, anytime you don't hold God in his proper place and perspective, you're doomed to fail. Amen. And certainly you would probably welcome an antichrist because he's going to bring unity in. But how many know you can be unified even in evil? <laughs> My God, just because you have unity don't mean you have truth. As a matter of fact, that's what he said in the original Babylon. Uh, the people is one. They're united, but they weren't united for the right cause. Not for the cause of Christ. They were going to make themselves a name. Amen? So, in the Bible, we see that the people of God were forced to live in Babylon. They said, yea, we hung our harps upon the willows. My God, uh, by the river Chebar, amen. They that require, uh, wasted us, required of us a song, said, sing us one of those songs of Zion. Come on, somebody. They said, how can we sing God's song in a strange land? They were forced to live in Babylon. Why? Because of their rebellion. 
because of their unbelief. Amen. And this is the same period and time in which we uh, are talking about in Revelation. Why are they going to be forced into this Babylon system? Because of their rebellion, because of their unbelief. He said he came to his own, his own received him not. Come on, somebody. He said, I came in my father's name and you didn't receive me, but there's going to be one come in his own name. Him you're going to receive. Rebellion, unbelief. So they'll have to live in this Babylonian system. Amen. Which we are witnessing uh, right now. Right now. As a matter of fact, you all know the Antichrist come in and he's, uh, he's blaspheming God. He's blaspheming the church. He's blaspheming God's people. Then going to turn around and say he's God. How do you blaspheme God then turn around and say you're God? <laughs> My God. But that's the Babylonian system. That is what it is. All right. Um, uh, they were forced to be um, asked what will happen. You all uh, will remember when um, Jeremiah, he was locked up because he prophesied that they were going into Babylonian captivity. And after they locked him up and they knew um, captivity was uh, inevitable, Jeremiah 37 and 17, King Zedekiah, he sent to Jeremiah and asked if there was a word from the Lord. Come on, somebody. My God. Jeremiah 37. Jeremiah 37, 17. Then Zedekiah the king sent and took him out uh, and the king asking him secretly in his house and said, is there a word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, I've already told y'all you're going into Babylonian captivity because of your rebelliousness, because of your unbelief. Come on, somebody. Now, your false prophets told you it wasn't going to happen, but it's happening. Come on, somebody, look. Um, is there a word from the Lord? Now he wants to know, is there a word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, there is. For said he, thou shalt be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. It's too late. Uh, because of your rebelliousness, because of your unbelief, my God, you're going to be forced into Babylonian captivity. What happens? What happens? Uh, in Babylon, they begin to inquire, uh, is there a word from the Lord? Yeah, you're going. How long are we going to have to stay? Uh, well, then the false prophet said, well, we ain't going to stay there a long time. Oh, no. Go on down there and build yourself some good houses. Give your sons to daughters and your daughters to sons. Come on, somebody. That you might increase and not uh, diminish. Build yourself some good, you know, uh, not no tents. Build some good structures. Uh, you'll be there until 70 years be accomplished. Well, this is the Babylon, that same Babylon. Remember, great Babylon is fallen. That we are experiencing, it's being built right now. The Antichrist is going to try to build a perfect world 
and he's going to uh, bring together the seven uh, nations and the ten kingdoms, gather them all together. You know, like I say, you know, uh, you would welcome the Antichrist if you're just looking for unity, because he's going to bring the, the nations together. He's going to bring the kingdoms together, but he's going to convince them they can fight against God. And you know that ain't happening. That is not going to happen. How in the world? And I asked the question before, and I'm still asking, and I hope somebody is curious. How long do you think a fight is going to last with God? And we're going to find that out. We're going to find that out real quick. My God. And that's the time when God said, bring everything you got. I'm going to dry up the Euphrates. You can bring your intercontinental, intercontinental ballistic missiles. You can bring your nuclear warheads. You can bring your chariots. Uh, and he said, um, uh, even let the farmers come. They're going to take their, um, um, I'm trying to think what the word, what it was now. The farmers, your, um, they will bang their plowshares into swords and they will uh, uh, beat their pruning hooks into staves. Come on, somebody. Bring your farmers on. Bring the people that you're hardened criminals that are locked up in jail. And then God said, let your weak, <laughs> let your weak say I'm strong. Bring everybody. This fight ain't going to last I'm, I guarantee you, you'll be impressed. It ain't going to last long at all. And God said, listen, I don't want you to have no excuses. Bring everybody. <laughs> I'll clear up the Euphrates River. You ain't got to worry about, you know, crossing the river. Come on, bring everything. Bring all you got. And even your weak and infirmed, let them say that I'm strong. I'm going to handle all of it. My God, how long do you think that battle's going to last? It ain't going to last at long, long at all. All right, what happens? What happens when God's people go into um, Babylon? What happens? What happens? All right, this is what that one world government we were talking about, amen, that global economy, amen, so what happens when God's people go into Babylon? You're going to have a supreme leader. We find that in uh, Daniel, the third chapter. You all have that. <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose weight was three score cubits and the breadth thereof was six cubits and he set it up in the plain of Dura. In the providence of Babylon, he got all of the uh, city officials, amen, uh, the captains and the uh, guards and all and said, listen, now we're going to make a proclamation. And when you hear the music play, I want you to bow down and worship me. My God, when you... They knew God, but didn't hold him in his proper place and perspective. I keep, um, I keep mumbling up that scripture. I really need to go back and read it. Romans 1 and, uh, what was it? Romans 1 and 8. <clears throat> hmm, let me see if I can find it. 
And I'm going by memory, so I may not even have the... Mm. No, that's not it. Let me go back in my notes. <clears throat> I really need to read this scripture. Romans 1, and I said, I said Romans 1 and 8, but it's Romans 1 and 18. All right, let's see. Look what it says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They know the truth, but they ain't doing right. Because that which may be known of God was made manifest. It was made plain for God has showed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even the eternal power and God, the Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful. They knew God, but did not glorify him as God, didn't hold him in the proper place and perspective, He's God. He's the creator of all things. And when you rebel against that, you won't acknowledge that. Guess what? You got to go into a Babylonian system. Oh, yeah. 70 years. I know my thoughts that I think you ain't going to convince me I'm evil either. You're going to go into Babylonian captivity. If you don't hold me in the proper place and perspective, how many know that we are made to worship? And if you don't hold God in his proper place and perspective and worship him, you'll worship anything. You'll worship a dog. Come on, somebody. I was watching one documentary. I ain't going to be able to get it out now. This uh, young lady, she was worshiping her pimp. He's good to me. What? When you don't hold God in his proper place and perspective, come on, somebody, my God. <clears throat> because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful but became vain in their imagination and their foolish heart was darkened. When you don't hold God in his proper place and perspective, you bow down to anything. That's where we headed. Everyone, somebody, you, you're talking about a one world government. That was, means one supreme leader and you will bow down unto him. What else happens? What else happens in a Babylonian system? Idol worship. You all have that scripture reference right there on your screen. Hopefully you can see it. Uh, Daniel 8 and 1. But Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested 
of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. My God, when you're in a Babylonian system, you do what they do. And, you know, after a while, you get the attitude, well, everybody's doing it now. And then after a while, you don't even question it. Everything goes because you become part of that fallen empire. My God, you're totally consumed by the Babylonian system. What else happens? It's a fallen empire. I'm on somebody. Uh, anything that's put together and that does not acknowledge God, it is doomed. Genesis 10 and 10, in the beginning of his kingdom, it was Babel, all right, and Erech, and Akkad, and Kalnek in the land of Shinar. That's where it all started. And that's where it all ends. We read that in uh, Zechariah. When the woman that was in the ephah, and Zechariah woke up and, and the angel talked to him so long he fell asleep. Uh, the angel had to uh, wake him up and said, uh, I want to show you something. <laughs> Come on, somebody. He had the woman uh, in the ephah. He closed the top and put a lead um, a weight on it and sealed it. And uh, Zechariah said, uh, where bearest thou the ephah? Where are you gonna, what are you going to do with it? I'm taking it to the land of Shiner to establish it on its own base. What is that? Back in Babylon. God is bringing to conclusion in Revelation the thing that happened way back in Genesis. All right? It's a fallen empire. <clears throat> All right? What else happens? in a Babylonian system. There's tribulation. We see that in uh, Daniel 3 and 25. What does it say? He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Amen? So those three Hebrew boys were thrown into the fiery furnace. We also have in Daniel 6 and 16, uh, the king commanded that Daniel himself be cast into the lion's den. When you're in a Babylonian system, that's what you can expect. Tribulation. My God, it's coming your way. And certainly what we're going through right now, divorce is up. Violent crimes are up. Suicide are up. Individuals are uh, ODing on drugs and trying to find some kind of relief, uh, some kind of uh, uh, stress uh, buster, trying to cope, trying to survive, trying to keep their head above water. And isn't it odd that um, this coronavirus puts a scar on your lungs and it's described as uh, every breath you take, you have to fight for it. It wants to drown you out. My God. But that's what you experience in a tribulation or a uh, Babylonian system. Tribulation. 
is coming your way. Thank God we're preserved. Come on, somebody. And thank God we're not going to be part of this Babylonian system uh, because the church is going to be snatched out and we won't be in that tribulation period. But this Babylonian system that's in place and we're experiencing right now, uh, like I say, this is not something that's just going to be um, once the church is snatched out, it then comes into existence. No, it's here right now. The mystery of iniquity doth already work, and only he that letteth will let. Amen. God is holding back. Come on, somebody. Until he be removed. And when he removes his hand and snatches the church out, all of this will be in full effect. Come on, somebody. My God. Can you imagine having to take the mark of the beast? And if you do not take the 666, you won't be able to buy, sell, trade, make a living, fend for yourself. Tribulation. What happened? What else happens? The removal of God's name. We find this in Daniel um, 1 and 6. Now among these were the children of Judah. Who were they? Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Az, uh, Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah, uh, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. What happens in a Babylonian system? Come on, somebody. And the Hebrew boys, what were their names? No, it wasn't Shadrach, Meshach, and the Bendigo. That was the name. That was the name that was given. And make me think about um, Roots. You all remember Roots? Um, what was his name? Kunta Kente. He wanted to go by his African name. And what did they do? They beat him. Beat him. Ask him what was his name. When you get in a Babylonian system, they strip and take away God's name. Come on, somebody. So what were their names? I got it written out here. <clears throat> it was Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. All right. Uh, what was the problem with their original names? All of those names had God in them. I know somebody. Now I, I wrote this down. Hananiah. All right. Hananiah. Grace. Yah. God. Hananiah. Grace. Yah. God. What does it mean? God is grace. Azariah. Azariah, helper. Yah, again, God. So what is it? God is my helper. Uh, Mishael. Mishi, who is like an L. You all know El Capitan. That's God. L is God. So what does it mean? Who is like my God? 
What did the Babylonian system say? You cannot bear God's name in this system. So we're going to remove God's name and give you a politically correct name. You're not going to bear the name of God. Not here. That's what happens in a Babylonian system. Everything about God is stripped out. So what happens? We take him out of schools. Hmm. We take him out of government. We don't want him in the White House. We don't want him in Congress. We don't want him in Senate. We don't want to mention him on TV. Uh, you know, uh, we don't want him in our homes anymore. We hardly even give uh, say grace at, at dinner time. I know some, I'm, those are one of the things that, you know, uh, my parents drilled into us. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Uh, everybody got a chance to uh, say grace, give an opportunity to thank God for what we were receiving. You have kids now and you say, hey, I want you to give the, I want you to uh, turn thanks. I want you to say the blessing. They don't have a clue what you're talking about. Never was somebody, what's that look here? What you talking about? They don't, they don't, uh, <laughs> They don't have a clue. They, don't, they haven't been raised that way. Well, a Babylonian system takes that away. It strips it out. Uh, I used to go to um, EMUs, and I hope nobody is, uh, is offended, but you know, I used to go to EMUs MLK Day. Uh, that has been totally uh, hijacked by the homosexuals and gays, you know, you know, um, uh, being accepted in equal rights and, you know, they have totally taken over that day. They, they claim MLK day now. <laughs> My God. Uh, I was called to give the prayer at, uh, the MLK breakfast at EMU. And I was praying and, and I just, you know, happened to get ready to uh, in my prayer, and I opened up my eyes, and I said, in Jesus' name, here's a young man sitting right there in the front row, you know, looking at me, and when I said, in Jesus' name, he he looked at me, and then I said, oh, my goodness, I need to start praying more. Jesus, 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 yeah, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Just keep on saying Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, and if you don't like it, get out of here. If you offended, I'm glad. That's what a Babylonian system does. It removes God. Out. The names are taken away. Come on, somebody. You will not bear the name of God in a Babylonian system. What happens after he removed God's name? Now you have to take his name. What is that? The mark of the beast. My God. Now that you've taken him out of schools, you've taken him out of the home, you've taken him out of government, you've taken him out of the White House, you've taken him out of the Senate, you've taken him out of Congress, you've taken him out of the courtrooms and the halls of justice. What do we do now? Now, you know, everywhere God places his name, Satan now wants to put his name there. Come on, somebody. 
Now you have to take the mark of the beast. Hmm. And if you don't do that, you will not be allowed to survive. This is in uh, existence right now, saints. Revelation 18 to only he that letteth will let. Revelation 18 and 2, what happened in a Babylonian system? And he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. Don't you worry, God has made, he, he said it. He's made up his mind, it's gonna happen. He will not change his mind. Babylon the great, it is fallen, it is fallen, and is become, look, the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit. My God. Um, and a cage of every unclean and hateful, does that say hateful? Yeah, hateful, I thought it said hurtful. Hateful bird. Mm. That that don't sound good to me. <laughs> that don't sound good at all. Anything that is put into existence, you're trying to create a perfect society. Come on, somebody, the perfect government. I mean, even when they talk about unity, and that's what the Antichrist is going to do, he's going to bring unity. But unity without God is death and destruction. Unity could be a good thing, but we have to be reunited about around God. Come on, somebody. My God. Mm. It is totally doomed. It cannot stand. My God, God will not allow it. Any system that eliminates God is totally doomed. All right. Now I've summarized them all together. One supreme leader, idol worship, fallen empire, tribulation. It removes God's name. And once you remove God's name, what name are you going to take? It's the, the number or the mark of the beast and it's doomed. It's going to come to an end. Come on, somebody. My God. All right. Uh, let's look at Jeremiah 29. God then gave them time to consider their ways. They were trying to uh, exist without God. They had a rebellious spirit. Jeremiah 29, they had unbelief. Look what he says, for thus saith the Lord, uh, Jeremiah 29 and 10 and 10 through 12. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. Come on, somebody. For I know my thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. They are thoughts of peace. You're not going to be able to exist 
without me. And I'm going to just give you some time to think about it. Their thoughts of peace and not evil to give you an expected end. Then ye shall ye call upon me and ye shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you. I don't have your undivided attention right now, but after 70 years, you'll call. Finally, you'll call and realize that I am the creator of all things. I will strengthen the hand of your enemy. Come on, somebody. If I have to, to get your attention. My God, why were they there? Because of unbelief because of disobedience? Why will this Antichrist build this uh, beast system? Because of unbelief, because of disobedient, disobedience. Come on, somebody. I came to my own, and my own received me not. We're primarily a Gentile church that's going to be the bride of Christ. Amen. Uh, during the tribulation period, it's about the Jews. Come on, somebody. God's chosen people. That's going to be a primarily Jewish church. Those that have rejected him. Now, we know it's going to be all nation, kindred, and tongues, and people. But primarily, it will be the Jews that rejected him. My God. They wanted to create a more perfect union, I keep saying that, or a perfect world without God. And that's what the Antichrist is going to try to do. And God gave is going to give him power. But when the, when, when the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel is all doom, and that's what we get in, in Revelation 18. Babylon the Great, it is fallen. It is fallen. It's coming to an end. Anything you build without God, it is not going to work. All right? But when I get your attention then, you'll pray to me. I'll have your undivided attention then. Look at Ezekiel 4 and 4 through 6. Ezekiel 4, 4 through 6. Uh, Ezekiel the prophet had to do some strange things to minister to the people of God in that particular day and time. He prophesied of the impending doom that they were going into Babylonian captivity. But look what happens here. He, Ezekiel 4, 4, 6, Lie thou upon thy left side and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it, according to the number of days that thou shalt lie upon it, Thou shalt bear their iniquity. All right? For I have laid upon thee the years of their iniquity, according to the number of days, 390 days. So thou shalt bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. And when thou hast accomplished them, lie again on your right side. Come on, somebody. Uh, and um, thou shalt bear the iniquity of the house of Judah. And I have appointed thee each day for a year. My God. 
So he had to bear, what do we have here? We have, he laid on his left side for, um, upon the years for their iniquity, according to the number of days, 390 days. All right. Then he was to lay on his right side and be accomplished. Thou shalt bear the house of uh, Judah for 40 days. So what do we have? 430 days, 430 days. Um, and God said, if they did not repent, he was going to add to their uh, punishment seven times more. So if we take 430 days, and did they repent? No, they didn't repent. So if we take the 430 days, now these were days for years, he, he specifically lets us know, and we multiply that times 70, uh, seven, seven times 430, we come up with 3,010 days. If you calculate from the time of Ezekiel's uh, prophecy to the time uh, Israel came out of Gentile rule, Remember the chart, times of the Gentiles? You all remember that? That Gentile, that uh, uh, Jerusalem, the Jews would be up under a Gentile rule. Uh, I have it on one of my charts here. I could go back to it. Let's, let's do this. Hold on one second. Uh, I know I got this on one of the slides. You all may not remember that. Um, you all remember this? Uh, those kingdoms? Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, uh, Rome, then the revised Roman Empire. Now look right here on the left of the statue, and I have my lower thirds down there so you can't see the rock which is Christ, the ancient of days, which the statue stands. But it says, oh, wait a minute. It says the time of the Gentiles. Let me see something here. Um, because you all can't see that. Let me see if I can remove. There we go. Uh, you all remember that? The times of the Gentiles. That was the time uh, that, well, let me remove it again. That was the time that Israel would remain under Gentile rule. If you take that 430 days, multiply it times seven because they did not repent. He said, if you didn't repent, I'm going to, uh, uh, multiply it, dice. I'm going to make it seven times harder or longer. You come up with 3,010 days. And if you go under, and, the, and I haven't taken the time to do this, but if you um, go by the Jewish calendar uh, that takes into account both the 
the lunar and solar cycles. Remember, you can't, you can't do that with our calendar because we only have the solar cycle. But under the Jewish calendar, it goes by both the lunar and solar cycles. All right. And you figure that out from the time Ezekiel gave the prophecy. You come up with 1948. That was the year. That was the year that Jerusalem, Israel, became its own independent state. But until that time, it was the time of the Gentiles. Oh, I'm sorry, y'all. Y'all can't see me. You can't see my pretty face. All right, that was the time that they were to remain under Gentile rule. 1948 is the year that they became an independent state, and they've been under threat ever since then. We talked about all of those um, uh, uh, states that want to take and, and have uh, proclaimed death to Israel, but God has protected her all this time. But the Antichrist is going to be given a season. Come on, somebody, he's going to war against the saints and win. We read that. You all remember? We read all of that. All right, let me see if I can get back to here, and let me see if I can get my lower thirds back on. Okay. <clears throat> All right, so from the beginning, God is bringing a conclusion. He's bringing a conclusion to the sin of the rebellion that happened back in Genesis. He's dealing with the rebellion of Satan. Uh, even um, uh, Lucifer, he thought that he was going to ascend into the seat of God. He's dealing with the rebellion of the fallen angels. He's dealing with the rebellion of men. Uh, six, we have fallen short. So um, Genesis 10, uh, Nimrod means I will rebel. He's dealing with that. He's bringing it to a conclusion. We see all of that all the way up in Genesis, through Genesis, through 10 and 11. And then in Genesis 12, God said, I'm going to take, y'all can keep all of that. You can keep it all. I'm going to take one man, uh, by the way, <laughs> that cannot have uh, any children. Come on, somebody. Uh, he, he can't have any children. He can't father no children. And I'm going to make a nation. I'm going to take that one man, Abraham, and I'm going to make a nation unto myself. That's like uh, God saying, you know what, listen, I'm going to tie my hands behind my back. <laughs> my God, I'm going to take one man that can't even father children. And I'm going to make a nation unto myself. Where you going, Abraham? Come on, somebody. I'm going to a city where a builder and maker is God. My God. I, I God will let me know when I get there. Come on, somebody. So he's building that nation through us. Any nation that's built without God 
it is not going to work. All right, Revelation 9, I'm sorry, 14, Revelation 14, 9 and 12. We, we got to finish up Revelation 14 to get to Revelation 17. What are the consequences? Being in this beast kingdom, we've dealt with a lot of the bullet points. Let's see what the scripture says. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark in their forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture unto the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth of the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. <coughs> Come on, somebody. Bible says, if you become part, Babylon is fallen, it is fallen. Get out. Don't be part of that beast system. If you take the mark uh, in your head or in your hand, you're doomed. There is no hope for you. Come on, somebody. My God. And we see a, a parable of that. Uh, in uh, Matthew 13, 29. If you take the mark of the beast, and that's what the two witnesses, don't take his mark in your head or in, his, on, or in your hand. If you do, you no longer bear the image of God, but you bear the image of Satan and there is no hope for you. All right? You all remember the parable in Matthew 13. They said, uh, shall we pull up the seed? All right. You remember when he said, uh, they asked, Master, did not thy sow good seed in thy garden? Let's pick it up here in Matthew 13, 29. But he said, nay, lest while you gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, my God. Now, when we pick up here in uh, Matthew, well, we've actually carried, uh, covered the last part of this chapter. Remember, there was two reapings of the earth. The earth was reaped. The first reaping was done by God. And the second reaping was done by the angels. And what did he say? Put it into the wine press of my wrath. All right, we can tie this to this parable here. He said, let them grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, those are his angels, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat unto my barn. Come on, somebody. The scripture says, well, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth 
and your worm shall never die. Babylon is fallen. Get out. Don't be part of this beast system. Let's finish it up here. Uh, Revelation 14 and 13. This is our popular funeral scripture. When it's all said and done, look what it says. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Come on, somebody. Now, when things are at their worst, you rather die bearing God's image than to take the mark of the beast and bear the image of Satan. It, it would, you know, <laughs> my God, the Hebrew boys, they ran back and said, God counted us worthy to suffer. Now, in this particular beast system, you will have to have your head cut off. Uh, you'll starve to death. But what did he say? Listen, I don't care how, how worse it get. I heard a voice from heaven saying, right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. You know, <laughs> my God, rather than take the mark of the beast, yeah, have your head cut off. Right, blessed are they that are dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, the saith the spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Come on, somebody. My God, if you take the mark of the beast and you become part of the beast kingdom, there is no hope. There is no hope for you. So if you got to die, somebody say, if I die, let me die. Somewhere on the battlefield for the Lord. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13. Y'all make sure you have your Bibles in Bible class. We're going through the whole book of Revelation. You can say you read it along uh, with me. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which are which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. He tells them to comfort one another with these words in verse 18. Whatever you got to go through. Now we're talking about the beast system, the Antichrist, but it, it, the same goes for us now. Because we're living in that Babylonian uh, system right now. It's in existence right now. But whatever you got to suffer, be willing to suffer. Come on, somebody. Because even if it takes you to your grave, we don't sorrow as others do. Because we have a hope that goes beyond the grave. Look at John 5. John 5. Uh, while you're getting that, I'm going to get Revelation 14 because we're going to finish. We got to finish this up. John 5, 24 and 25. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, listen up. He's using that repetition. 
He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has what? Everlasting life. You ought to tell the devil, listen, you can huff and puff and try to blow my house down. My house down. I can't die. <laughs> my God, he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Do you believe it? That's what the scripture says. If we believe in him, all right, he has everlasting life and shall not come into what? Condemnation, but is passed from death to life already. I've already been to the water. I've already been baptized. I've already been converted. Somebody say, I feel all right. Amen. I've passed already from death to life. Look what he says. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. My God. All right. Like I said, we did... Um, we have been to the back of Revelation 14 uh, for these two reapings. Now, we've the first reaping, uh, God did it himself. Jesus did it himself. Look what it says in Revelation uh, 14 and 14. And I looked and behold a white cloud and upon the cloud one that sat like the son of man. That was Jesus that had the sickle and did the reaping of the earth. All right, having his head uh, a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. All right, that was the, uh, actually, this is the third reaping now. We saw the 144. That was the first fruits before God. We see here in uh, verse 15 uh, the reaping that God made himself. Now, this is, let's look at verse. Um, 18, and another angel came out of the altar, which had power over fire and cried with a loud voice to him that had the sharp sickle saying, thrust in thy sickle. All right. Now this is the angels. We went back to the parable of, um, <clears throat> um, he said, let the wheat and tear grow together. And when the time come, I'll call my reapers. This is the angels. They're reaping. All right. Thrust in thy sickle and gather the clusters of the wine of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in the sickle into the earth, and the angel gathered the vine of the earth and did what? Cast it into the great wine press of the wrath of God. God came, for the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. Come on, somebody. He did the first reaping. All right. Then his angels came. He said, now I want you to put your sickle in. And these I want you to put into the wine press of my wrath. We saw that in Isaiah 63 uh, when God said, I'm trampling. I'm stomping. Come on, somebody. My God. And his, his garments was blood stained. You all remember that? Go back and read it. You'll find it. All right, Revelation 17, I said we'd get there tonight, and that's what we'll do. Revelation 17, 1, 1 and 2, this is the beginning of the end of the false church. We had to finish up 14. 
All right, and there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore. She's unfaithful. That sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth has been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And, and that's as far as we're going to go in 17. But I told you we were going to get there. Uh, and that's where we're going to pick up next time. Uh, this is going to be the destruction, the, the total annihilation of the false church, the false prophet. Come on, somebody. Uh, she has made the earth drunk. Uh, with the wine uh, of her fornications, whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Amen. And certainly we will see the total uh, and complete destruction of this Babylonian system that tried to exist without God. There's no way. There's no way you can exist. There's another song. There's no way I can live without him. That was a choir song back in the day, too. I have tried and over and over. Okay, that's my old church days coming out, y'all. Uh, may God bless you. May God keep you. Uh, new grace. Hopefully you are enjoying uh, Revelation as I am, I'm going to get my slide before us uh, because it is offering time. It's offering time. You all have the information here. We want to encourage individuals, if you have been listening and joining us uh, in our Bible classes and in our services and you want to be saved, you want to be saved, give us a call, 734 477 Six eight nine one. That number again is seven three four four seven seven six eight nine one. We have ministers on staff that will call you, follow up with you in the scriptures, share with you in God's word, pray with you, Amen, and also meet with you and baptize you in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. And the Bible says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Amen. God will fill you with his spirit. Amen. You will hear him speak out of you. You will know that you belong to God and he belongs to you. Amen. You will have escaped this Babylonian system. Come on, somebody. My God. We're on our way to heaven and we're so glad. Come and join us. Be part of this. Amen. Give us a call. We will certainly uh, wait on you uh, and share with you God's word. Amen. And we want to encourage each and every one of you, saints of God, stay saved. It's too late in the game now. Too late in the game now. Stay saved. Hold to God's unchanging hand.